Hear ye, hear ye, and welcome to the Royal Geek Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things from movies to TV shows and everything else in between. I'm your host, Tyler Olison, also known as T-Roll, and I'm joined tonight by my good friends and co-hosts, both Justin Sandoval, a.k.a. Sandy, and the one and only Anthony Amato. We like to call him Shimato. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? It's a good night, man. It's a good night uh, all day. Uh, weather was great. Uh, I went on a, about a two-and-a-half-hour bike ride uh, with the kids. Whoa, look yeah. at you. Whoa. Being uh, all active. Yeah, kids and yeah. wife, we all went on a, a bike ride, and I tell you what, man, uh, this city of dreams we live in here, man, is just uh, phenomenal, man. Mm. I love it. That's awesome. Good for you, man, getting a nice bike ride. Anthony, how about yourself? Uh, doing well, doing well, you know, just, you know, making it through work and, you know, had a good good day at work although it was kind of a boring day for me but yeah it was it was good and you know things are looking up and you know the personal life and you know you know moving moving in with my fiance soon so whoa big uh, step yep yep big so step that would be that would be a lot of fun we're probably in the next couple of weeks be looking at apartments and things like that so Dude, yeah i feel that i've actually been looking for homes this past week yeah. uh me and my wife so we I'm, i feel that uh you know that idea of looking around for places to move to. It's uh, it can be fun, but also really stressful. Yeah, so, for sure, especially uh, when you're trying to buy a home. Yeah, man, it's crazy. So, but yeah, man. Well, regardless of how well your day has gone so far, it's about to get much better. And the same for all of our listeners. If you are tuning in, uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, we are very excited to be here with you tonight, and we got some exciting things to talk about. A little bit later in the episode, we are going to be reviewing the movie Just Mercy. So you can uh, skip forward to that if you want to skip around. You can go down to the show notes and you can see different timestamps for when we talk about certain things. Uh, but we're going to start with some news. We, we always like to hit on some particular news topics that are happening in the entertainment world. Uh, Justin, I'm going to tee you up first. What you got for us? Yeah, so July 3rd, uh, we get a Disney Plus drop uh, with new content. And, Let's hear it. Uh, Hamilton, the musical is going to be dropping on Disney Plus. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Hamilton the Musical is a musical based on one of our founding fathers, Alexander Hamilton, and it has a nice little little hip-hop uh, rendition of it. Uh, I actually have never seen it live, uh, but I've listened to the soundtrack, and it is um, it's an amazing soundtrack. Um, yeah. The whole concept of, of it is, is great. And uh, I really like the fact that Disney Plus is bringing it to their platform because we get a chance to actually see the original um, uh, Broadway performers yeah. uh, performing nice. performing the musical, which uh, they have not been together in a, in a while. And this is one of the a, a, a recording or a taping from when they were on their first run as a as a cast together. So I'm just really excited, looking forward to that. Uh, because I, obviously I was never able to make it to watch it, but now I, I'll get a chance to watch it in yeah. in, in all of its glory. So. Yeah. And if uh, you uh, are unaware of who Alexander Hamilton in, he's that boy rocking on that $10 bill. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, it's actually, I've heard it is an, an incredible show to watch live. Um, and I think the tickets, I mean, you can't watch anything live right now pretty much because of coronavirus. Thanks a lot, uh, China. But um, <laughs> it is uh, it is, it is actually, I, th- I believe, pretty expensive uh, to get tickets for that for when they were showing it. So Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's really cool, man. I actually, you know, I'm not a big musical guy, so, I, you know, little disclaimer here, I was a theater minor in college, no big deal. Um, it's all played out. So, well, it, here's the thing, I mean, not that I'm totally against, uh, musicals, but 
you know, sometimes there's this little bit of beef that normal theater drama people have with, you know, musical titles and, you know, people that perform in musicals. So, you know, not not totally. It's a little blurred. I've just never been a big musical guy. I'm not going to lie. Is it because you're like the Sharks and the Jets? I'm about to say, is it, a little bit. Is it because bit. you're uh, jealous of their singing ability? Yeah, mostly. It's a lot of insecurities here, to be yeah. honest. But, <laughs> um, but it is true nonetheless. And uh, so I've never been much of a musical guy. I'd rather just go see a normal play without any singing. Um, so I was probably, honestly, I was probably never going to see Hamilton live. But I will happily watch it on Disney Plus, you know. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So shout out to Disney Plus if you haven't gotten it yet. It's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, Shimano, how about yourself? You got any news for us? Oh uh, yeah, I do. I do. Um, my first bit of news is uh, a little bit shout out to us. Uh, Uh-oh. And our after our last uh, our last episode, we got over a hundred listeners. So let's go on the yeah, rise, yeah, hit man. Triple digits, dude. Shout out, man. Whoever is listening to us, thank you. That's yes. cool because we're still pretty new. And a lot of times we're like, man, is there, is anyone ever going to listen? Hmm. And wherever you are, whoever you are, we love you and we thank you yeah. for that. Yeah, reach out to us. Follow us on Twitter. That's right, at Royal Geek Pod. Or even if you don't really want to follow us on Twitter, just send us a message and let us know how we can be connected to you. You know, give us some ideas for future shows. And yeah, the, um, the second part of news that I have is um, I, I know a lot of people uh, saw the Parks and Rec um reunion episode that was was brought up and uh this there's a, another show that's going to be having a reunion episode which i consider this show to be uh the parent show of parks and rec and the other parent being o- the office uh i feel like uh 30 rock and the office made parks and rec so if you like parks and rec then 30 rock would definitely be up your alley um i love 30 rock it was a great show on nbc for for a long period, I believe it had about eight seasons, um, and it was just like uh, it was. It was an amazing idea about the running a sketch comedy show in New York City, um, and they're going to be having a reunion episode um, coming up where they're just going to you know bring back most of the main cast. Uh, it's going to be in it, um, you know, and it has some some great people, you know, Tina Fey, Alec Baldwin, you know. Um, uh, Jack McBrayer, um, Tracy Morgan are all are all main main cast members in it, and it was just it, it was a phenomenal show, and you know I I loved it, and it just so many great characters, so many hysterical moments, and there's a there's a um, bit of realism to it, especially with the fact that Tina Fey was for a long time a writer and a performer on SNL, and this is partially based out of her experiences about being a part of the SNL family. Um, so it's it's a really cool way to do it, and you know if you haven't seen Thirty Rock, there's a there's a lot of good content in it. Uh, two episodes that I would definitely um, think would be really cool to go watch, go back and watch are the the episode that they did live, which was a really cool idea and really novel idea to do at that time. Well, to be honest, I've never actually seen that show, but Justin, I know you have. Uh, yes, I have. I kind of got in a little bit late. I had to do a six season binge in order to catch up to the the live run of the show. And it's a, it really is a ph- phenomenal show. the The dynamics between the Tina Fey and Alec Baldwin are just perfect, and I just yes. truly, I mean, the dynamics between all the characters, the main characters, are are phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, I really love the the view it gives on the whole production aspect, especially every time they go into a meeting room, and it's yeah. just absolutely hysterical. You just have to watch it to find out. But uh, for those of you who've seen it, that you know what I'm talking. Do about. Do you guys know is is there a place you can easily watch it, like stream the whole thing? 
Um, the the show. Hate to put you on the spot. Yeah, it is on Thirty Rock. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Yes, okay. Great. Yes, it is. Gotcha. Well, I might have to check it out. Yeah, definitely so, worth a watch. I mean, I've been catching up on Community because you guys have been telling yes. me to watch that. Yeah, so it's so good. Such a good show. It's, and it's hard to have so many shows going at once, and especially when you start a podcast out of nowhere, and every week you got to talk about something. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I might try to check it There's out. There's a lot at of some good point. shows going on right now. Like I'm going through the new part of F is for Family, and it's hysterical. Oh yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> I'm working on it. It, it is sometimes a hard show to watch. It is. Though. Yeah, that's true. But it's it has its moments. Yes. So. Well, the little bit of news I have um, is that it's really funny. So, little context here. Here in our pod, we have actually. Man, we've only had a handful of shows, but for some reason, like half of them, I feel like we've actually talked a little bit about. Like some random, it's well not random. We've always talked. It seems like we're always talking about a skateboarding video game. Have you guys noticed this? It, like it we, comes up for it, sure. It yeah. comes a lot. It comes up a lot. And uh, then you know, several weeks ago, we broke the news. You know, we didn't break the news. We reported on the news that they are going to make a remake of Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two. And then last week on our show, um, on our pod that we did our top five sports video games of all time, shout out. You guys should go listen to that if you haven't yet because that was a really fun discussion yeah. where all f- all three of us described or listed off, uh, listed off our top five video games, excuse me, sports video games of all time. And uh, not to spoil anything, but Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 was mentioned a couple times, maybe more than that. Uh, but nonetheless, my news today is actually that EA Sports is going to be – or. EA is actually going to be working on a new skate game. So if you guys are familiar with this, the franchise uh, Skate, the last one they made was back in 2010. And it just seemed a little, you know... Con- uh, convenient? Convenient. Yeah, it just it's just like, of all times to announce that you're going to make a new skate game yeah. right after the fact that uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 is going to be remade for the next-gen systems. So I think it's actually, you know... I mean... It just it just it just seems too ironic, you know what I'm saying? But um, get your dollars where you can, man. Yeah, I guess so. Did you guys play that game at all? I I did play Skate. Um, the one thing that I did not like about it it was it was a little bit more uh, boxy in the characters and the moves compared to Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk yeah. boxy. Felt, okay, yeah, I feel like Tony Hawk was more fluid and uh, the the motion of the skate uh, the skaters were way better. But Skate. Skate form, I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll see how that goes. I might give it a, a try, but we'll yeah. we'll see. Okay. Yeah, I had limited interaction with it, but for me, a lot of times I prefer games like that to be a little bit more, um, a little less realistic. Actually, like that, that's how I felt like Tony Hawk was in a lot of ways. It was a lot more like a little bit arcadey, and it was oh, yeah. more like you know when you were doing <laughs> tricks and things like yeah. that. Where I feel like um, Skate got more into trying to be more realistic to physics and the mechanics of the human body. No way. I don't want that. And it just made it harder in a lot of ways. <laughs> no way. Yeah, like, that's the best part of Tony Hawk, where you just, you you wipe out and you're like, he should be dead. Yeah. <laughs> he just stands up and gets right back on the skateboard. Yeah. Wasted. Yeah, for real, man. <laughs> well, that's the news. Uh, we'll go ahead and kind of uh, move into our main part, our main spotlight for tonight's show, for tonight's pod. Um, we always like to do... You know, movie reviews, TV show reviews, uh, reviews of all sorts, and today we are actually going to be reviewing a film that has been making the rounds in really pop culture recently. It's a movie called Just Mercy, um, which is actually, it's actually really cool. Uh, You can actually rent it for free, I think for the entire month of June, and... They might extend that. I don't know. But basically, it was made available for free for rent 
mostly so that people can be informed, uh, really, what we're going to get into in the review, uh, of the realities of systemic racism in the justice world here in America. So um, I'm really excited to review this movie with you guys. Uh, A little bit of the bones of of the movie, some of the details. Uh, this is on IMDb. It says, a, this is like the basic description of the film. World-renowned civil rights defense attorney Brian Stevenson works to free a wrongfully condemned death row prisoner. So the movie stars, obviously, uh, Michael B. Jordan as Brian Stevenson. Uh, also, Jamie Foxx is in the film, and he is the felon that he is trying to um, get free and, of course, uh, if you have seen the film, you would know that Brie Larson is in it as well. And she is uh, kind of the assistant tag team partner for uh, Mr. Stevenson in the film. So, basically, um, hopefully this is obvious, but this is going to be a spoiler review, right? We are going to talk about details of the film, and we're going to break down kind of kind of what we thought of it and really what emotions it kind of brought upon us and we're going to talk about major plot development so if you have not seen the movie just mercy we would advise you to pause this podcast and come on back after you watch it and we do encourage that you watch it because it's a pretty darn good film so with that in mind we're going to jump into spoilers let's just start i want to hear from you guys what were your overall thoughts on the film yeah, overall, I thought it was a quality movie. Uh, I mean, I think we're at the point now where I think anything Michael B. Jordan does is like pure gold. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is, amen to that, man. Yeah, phenomenal actor. Um, he really has come into his own. I mean, I remember watching him when he was on uh, the the TV series Friday Night Lights, yeah. and uh, he was uh, he was probably the best part about uh, the last half of that uh, series, but. Uh, but Michael B. Jordan, he does a, such a great job and a, a performance that really captivates you and pulls you in. Um, he, he just seems like a cool dude, man. He's like one of the guys. But uh, his performance here definitely uh, left me uh, feeling a certain kind of way. So, yeah, good word, Shimano. Yeah. How about yourself? Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely was a very good movie. It was, in a lot of ways, infuriating to watch. Sure. Um, just because of everything that I went into and it was just so it was it was hard to watch in a lot of ways but I felt like that was a point in a lot of ways for it to be difficult for you to watch and for it to tell you to basically show you um you know what actually happens in society sometimes that's right and so basically I think it's important to talk about the the nature of the film it's actually based on true events a true story and Brian Stevenson is, I believe, from Delaware, and he yes. he went to Harvard mm-hmm. to study law. That's pretty impressive, uh, especially for a guy who went to a small state school like myself, going to Harvard. That's just amazing. So he goes to Harvard to study law, and he moves down to Alabama, all right, the heartbeat, yep. the heartbeat of the South, and starts a practice where um, he is going to defend. Uh, felons who are on death row. Yeah. Yes. And they equal justice so, initiative. I yeah. Believe. So the equal justice initiative is what his practice was called. Um, and in the, earlier in the film, it's mentioned that he has federal funding to like to start this. Yes. They yeah. didn't really go much into that. They didn't explain that. I mean, we got the yeah. idea that he wasn't in it, in it for the money. Obviously. Yeah. And no it, way. It was said a few times, like. Uh, yeah, he mentioned to Brie Larson's character, I forgot her name, of course, but he mentioned to her that, you know, he has nothing to pay her. <laughs> he can't pay her any money. Um, 
but yeah, it was federally funded, and you know, so they didn't explain much of that, but that kind of that's kind of where we jump off, we, or that's the starting point. And um, man, it was just such a good film. I think my overall general thoughts, I, I guess I will say that I was moved. Um, you know, the issues that the movie highlights, and which we will get into, um, are heartbreaking, and it, essentially it breaks down how. What a lot of people don't realize is that the history of this country, in particular the United States of America, has a dark history of injustice in the in inside, like the police departments and sheriff off, sheriff offices all over the country. And so there's a lot of guys on death row who should not be there. And yeah. Brian Stevenson is there to seek justice for all people, the Equal Justice Initiative. Right. So. Um, yeah, I, I was very moved, and um, it was a, it was an amazing performance by uh, Michael B. Jordan, and also by Jamie Foxx too. Yeah, yeah, Jamie Foxx did a killer yeah. job. Yeah, he I'm, was real good. I'm I'm really surprised that his performance didn't get more recognition because it was it was a phenomenal phenomenal performance. Right, I think he did a good job of really portraying the hopelessness of yeah. being on death row, especially you know when he literally did not do the crime when he actually was innocent. Um, and yeah, I think that it's just amazing. So, Shimada, you got something? Um, yeah one of my one of my things that I definitely wanted to bring up was the year that this actually occurred. Yeah, uh, nineteen eighty-seven. This wasn't the sixties, the forties, yeah. the nineteen twenties. This happened in nineteen eighty-seven. That's right. Uh, I was within two years of being born at this point. Like I am. You know, it's not that um, long ago. Re- relatively young, yeah. That was not long ago. Um, in the state that borders the one we are in, yes, was we're, yes. we're, right we're recording from Georgia. So. Yes, uh, twenty about twenty miles from where we are actually. Yep, <laughs> and, and just also, you know, this this is getting ahead of ourselves, but yes, we're assuming that if you watch the film, or excuse me, that if you're listening to this episode. You have watched the film, and towards the end, when the credits, it, it gives you like updates of what happened with some of the major characters, and the neighboring cellmate to yeah. um, to to Johnny D. Johnny D. That's right. His neighboring cellmate was literally on death row until 2015. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Before Brian Stevenson was able at at the U.S. Supreme Court level to prove that he was innocent. I mean that's thirty years of his life in prison, and it's just it's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So I think, uh, uh, speaking about the way they did the uh, updates and things like that, one of yeah. the, there was a statistic that was brought up at the very end of the movie where one in nine death row inmates are exonerated at some point. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes that time is after after they have been, their sentence passed. Um, wow. So yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I think that was an, that's an important part of this as well is that, you know, this isn't like a, you know, million people are put on death row and one person out of them is, you know, found innocent, even though that would be too many people mm-hmm. to be found innocent. This is one in nine. That's about 12% of the people, uh, um, you know, uh, in the, in, in the, um, death row that are that end up being shouldn't exonerated be yeah. at some point yeah yeah it's heartbreaking stuff and the movie does such a good job of of pointing out the just crazy amounts of 
systemic injustice. So yeah, let's uh, yes. let's talk about a few of those moments. Let's and, do it. Uh, uh, let's see. Let's start in the fairly fairly beginning of the the movie where he goes to. He gets to Alabama and he goes to meet uh, some oh, of the man. death row inmates. And yes. he it's his first time in the in the prison, and he he goes to check in, and he is an attorney. He's he's there to represent yep. the the people who are there on death row, right? And uh, he has to do a full strip down, and that should not be the case for legal representation. Nope. So no. uh, that scene right there, I'm like, oh, well, yeah. it just so it just shows you that you know I think it's important to say that of course we know that not every police officer is racist, uh, but certainly at this time and in its context and really in a lot of contexts throughout the country and throughout the world, you are dealing with hateful racist people and yes. people who have who make uh, judgments on someone. Yeah. So that officer in particular in that instance, when um, when Brian Stevenson walks into that prison to meet those clients as he is supposed to, he has them scheduled, the officer is just doubting him. He's like, I've never seen you before. And he's, he even said, gosh, this pissed me off. He even said, are you really a lawyer? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Like, like, yeah, it's so so yeah, ridiculous. A Harvard grad. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, and it's and it's like... Man, like this guy has worked his butt off to be a lawyer and to fight for justice for everyone, and he can't even talk to his clients without having to get naked mm-hmm. in front of this officer to prove that he's not bringing some sort of weapon in, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but I will point out, like, obviously this is a, a dramatic telling of the story. And sure. I do feel like the, it's this particular officer who does a strip search that later on you see the development. Uh, that was got, a, that yeah. was an interesting yeah, it development. Come, it, yeah. yeah, it ended up playing out. So, like, he... He's the one who forces him to strip down. He's like toying with him. He's playing with him. But then right. later on, as the the court case goes on, he ends up seeing that okay, he really is just trying to to fight for the equality yeah. of it. He's trying to to help the people that are in here. And then he ends up uh, showing a little bit more compassion, uh, compassion, yes. yeah, compassion for the character. But so I do feel like that was a that was a good yeah uh, moment of establishing where. Uh, that character was at the time, and then where he ends up for sure. Yeah, definitely bringing out the possibility of hope. Yeah, is, 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 that's his that's his story arc is the possibility of hope. And I think so. I think it's important. You know, we're a few minutes into this review already. Let's go ahead and talk about the major plot line. Okay, we we haven't yet mentioned. You know, and this movie does a really good job of of starting a conversation, which is you know what we're going to be doing tonight, but also. Uh, I think it's important for us to talk about the main meat of this movie. So Johnny D, played by Jamie Foxx, uh, is just driving home one day for work from work when he gets pulled over. And he is then accused of the murder of a white woman uh, in town. Uh, and actually, it's actually in a neighboring town, technically, yes, um, from where he lives. And then, I don't know how many years had passed exactly, but it was several years before... Um, Brian Stevenson shows up and offers three years. Three years, okay. It, it yeah. offers offers to help, but basically he was convicted of this murder, even though he, you know, the truth is obviously spoiler alert, he did not commit the murder. Nope, um, wasn't even in the same town. Wasn't even in the same town, but he was convicted of the murder based off the testimony of one person who was also a felon. We later find out that that was actually all set up by the police department or I guess the sheriff's office in this particular instance um, because this particular murder they they couldn't find it would so this girl her name was Rhonda um, she died some tragic death and they didn't know who 
who did it. And so the the community was hurting. And it, what I inferred from this was that the police, the sheriff's office, really just needed to find someone. They needed they needed a fall guy. They needed some the, the crime to fall on someone so that the community could move on. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do if you're in Alabama and you need to accuse someone of murder? You find a black person to do it. I think especially the, the reason why he was chosen was because uh, well, it was largely be, it was because he was black, but it was also because of his he had already kind of broken an old school yeah. line. Okay, in the especially so we in did the find South. out about this through his wife. Yes, so when Brian Stevenson it, goes to visit his wife, we find out yeah, that he he had actually had um, an out of um, out of marriage. Uh, experience with a, a with a white woman earlier before this had happened. That's right. And it's actually also brought up. It, it's also brought up when he is uh, arrested. You know, the 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 sheriff actually talks about it just a little bit, just gives you a, just a hint okay, of it. Okay, okay, I didn't catch but, that. Uh, but yeah, um, so basically, and it was brought up about the fact of how um, basically he had already had a connection with breaking one of the unwritten rules of the Jim Crow South, which was um. You know, the idea of um, being with a white woman. Um, and so this was kind of the, unfortunately, in the sheriff's mind, the next logical step that c- could be taken. Right. So, you, t- you know, you have this base and then you're like, okay, well, if he's willing to sleep with a white woman, well, then maybe he's willing to murder a white woman. Right, so right, right. It's, it's a very... Um, it was a decision that was made because they had already had a slight connection with him doing this, or, or at least know, it was we, public knowledge. It was yeah. learned that it was yes. it was spread and rumor rumored. Yep. You know. Yes, it escalated more than it actually was. Right. Yes, I think it's important for me to mention that I, I just mentioned a minute ago that what do you do if you're in the South and you need a fall guy to blame a murder on? You find a black person. Just want to say that's not what I actually believe. That just happens to be exactly what happened in this scenario and that's what the main that's what they did so yep. I, I kind of said that in a joking way i don't actually believe you should do that uh, but there's just a reality that uh this country especially in the south there is a there is a history of injustice like this and um so Which johnny i believe go ahead jamie fox's character johnny d does a great job portraying especially yeah. his first conversation with michael b jordan's character they're sitting there and michael b jordan's Gung ho! He's like, "Hey, I'm here. I'm going to help you. I'm going to do this. That's right, I'm going to do right. that." Yeah. And uh, Jamie Foxx's uh, initial thoughts of that is, "Yeah, there's nothing you can do to help me because it, it is what it is here in the yeah. South in Alabama." Yeah. yeah. He think, actually uh, says, "Sorry to interrupt you, Shimato." Oh, sorry, ahead. sorry. Um, so when you were talking about uh, the earlier about how um, uh, Jamie Foxx was a great way of showing the hopelessness of being on death row, I think that was also. Um, it wasn't just him being on death row. It was the hope he was portraying the hopelessness of being a minority in the South. Okay, come is on, really what Let's it was it. what it was referring to with that, and then him talking about you know, um, just him talking about how um, the, just all the time that the cards were stacked, stacked in, against, against him. Mm-hmm. No matter what, you know, it would say there was always something that they would some way that they would find to block whatever was needed to be done. Right, and there's actually a very, it's actually, I think it's in their first meeting when Johnny D first meets Brian Stevenson, where um, Johnny D says that, you know, I'm not going to get the quote exactly right here, but he says, um, I was guilty the day, from the day I was born. 
Yeah. And really trying to communicate the point that in the eyes of the powers that be, in the eyes of, let's just be honest here, in this in this movie and in reality, in the eyes of the white people that are in power, he's guilty. And he was an easy target to frame this murder on, and it was convenient that uh, for this sheriff's department to pick him as the guy. Yeah. So essentially the main premise or the main plot of this movie, the sheriff's department finds uh, another felon, a white guy named uh, Myers. I can't remember his first name. And uh, so – and they he's – Ralph Myers. Ralph Myers. Thank you. So Ralph Myers who uh, gives – Played by Blake T. Nelson, by the way. He was that's a right. phenomenal actor. And he, yeah. and, he, and he gives a – I guess a testimony in the trial against um, – in the trial against Johnny D, and he says that he saw him there at the cleaners where Rhonda was killed, um, and that was the main evidence. They had no hard yes. evidence. It was just the testimony of one man, and, I mean, it's just... I, uh, it's just, I just couldn't wrap my head around that the, the testimony of a, a later convicted felon uh, held yeah. up in, in the court of law. Like, and they, it just blew my mind. And they like, never let any other people testify, which yeah. Brian, uh, Brian Stevenson said... We based the entire in the entire trial on one man's testimony, a felon, a convicted felon, not twelve other mm-hmm. law-abiding citizens who were willing yes. to speak on it. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Um. So all that was just fascinating. Yeah. yeah the um. He, he was a very intriguing character to me. Um. The um. Ralph Myers. Uh. He had a very interesting story arc in his own. Uh. In his own right. Um. I began getting a little bit of a like Green Mile vibe, okay. a little bit. Yeah. Um. It did take, of course, a much different turn. Um. But because the first time I saw him, I kind of thought of him as Sam Rockwell's character in the Green Mile, where you know, in the Green Mile, of course, you find out that Sam Rockwell is a, is the actual murderer. Uh. In the in the case that is um that uh, Michael Clark Duncan is being charged with. Um, so it, kind of that way of using, um, you know, a black, a black man being used as a pawn in the, in the system in the South to, um, to take a crime that he did not do is kind of how I felt. But I felt like as he went along, he became a much more empathetic character and you start to understand why he did what he did. Um, so it was, he was very, he was very interesting in, in that fact and how, you know, you get to learn about his experiences a little bit and how he had been brought up and, and the reasons why he did what he did. Um, cause I mean, I know it sounds terrible, but in some ways, I mean, I understand, like w- why he did it um in, in the sense of he, he he had been through this terrible experience of being um partially burned as a child and when he was originally arrested um of course he was he was saying no i have no idea i have no connection with any of this i have no idea what you guys are talking about but then he was put on death row which that entire scenario of putting someone on death row when they're you know, when they're not supposed to be on death row, which also happened to Johnny D because he was on right. death row a year before he was convicted. Yes, but um, putting him there and you know putting um, putting uh, Randy at the um, at the closest cell to the execution chamber and him just like the idea of him having to deal with that and the fear and the 
fear and the anxiety you felt for him as a character you know that what he did was wrong and later on he he tries to fix what he did but is just completely stone yeah let's let's talk about that well the courtroom scene can i before we get there i i I just you know picking up where you were talking there yeah the the first time you think of ralph myers you really think like he's the villain Yes. You know, like it was his idea yeah. to frame this guy. Yeah, which was exactly him. why I thought of the Green Mile, because right. Sam Rockwell's character is such the villain in the Green Mile. So but we we later learn we later learn that um that actually it was the wicked sheriff's department that was trying to yes. find someone to testify against Johnny D. Um which so then all of a sudden you do become empathetic of this guy who Made a deal, and even actually, now that I'm thinking about it, Brian Stevenson says, um, "I bet you didn't." This is the first time he met Myers. He said, "I bet you didn't know that your testimony would put Johnny D on death row." Yeah, so he, he didn't really understand the true consequence. Right, and he brought in his cost. family. He said, uh, "What is what is Johnny D's family uh, dealing with right now?" Right, in, in reference to, "Hey, you put this man on death row, but yeah. not only did you do that, you brought his family into it." And yeah. uh, Tim Blake Nelson's character, um, he ended up. Uh, I don't know more connecting to the situation. Yeah, um, when it, when he brought up his children, right? That's what exactly. that, that was a huge connector. That was the first like glimpse of he isn't just some a very like one sided villain type character. That there is more to him than that. So, what did you want to bring up? You you mentioned something so about the, being the in the court, courtroom. Yeah, the courtroom scene where they try to get a retrial, and right. it's uh, Michael B. Jordan. He has gathered all his facts, uh, which we conveniently saw in a nice little montage research scene, which yeah. uh, I do feel as though that montage was executed perfectly. Uh, yes. I, I'm a fan of a, an excellent uh, <laughs> timed montage scene. But anyway, uh, that's besides the point. Um, he was in Creed. He learned from the best. Yes, I know. Exactly. Um, so he gathered all this information, and he was, he was actually putting um, – uh, Ralph Myers on trial, and he had right. he had the the audio tape uh, the, of him saying he had no idea what was going on. So he was fishing uh, and relating to um, uh, that character to, to speak up and speak his truth. And at first, he wasn't willing to, and he had to like Michael B. Yeah. Jordan had to walk in front of the sheriff who was eyeing yeah. him down in order to uh, blind him on that. And so yeah. anyway, so he literally says on trial, uh, that's, uh, Tim Blake Nelson's character. He literally says like, uh, yeah, I, I made it all up. They made me do it. Uh, yeah. and, and you feel this sense of like victory, right? Yeah. Huge victory. Yeah. Huge oh, victory. Even, yeah. even Johnny D said when he was in the van, mm-hmm. he was like, this is the, man, he, he didn't even know how to feel. I yeah. think is what he said. Yeah. 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 Um, so I actually have a note that I wrote down. Um, unfortunately about that about after that scene and i i wrote down uh you could feel the doom like i felt like i had paused it and i saw that there were still 40 minutes left in the movie <laughs> okay and okay i could well, that's feel, a little unfair i could feel the doom <laughs> yeah. for that scene and because of everything they had shown and um i likened it to if you've ever watched like a crime drama like for example like bones or law and order and you know they arrest the killer, and there's still like 20 minutes left in the episode, and you're like, something's gonna happen, and you're just, I just, I could feel like, oh no, yeah, like, like the like case the, he made was so like, I feel like in my concrete. eyes, concrete, sealed, right. done deal, over and done with, and even the judge, it looked to me, it looked like the judge was actually like, couldn't believe that um, that they had done all yeah. this, yeah, and I thought the judge was gonna be on their side. 
and let's talk about the results of this, right? Yeah. So oh, that yeah. that day ends. It was it was it the same day or did it was like months go by? It, it felt like he said we'll reconvene at yeah. a later date. Yeah, the judge. And it was I think three months. I think. Yeah, three I, months. yeah, I don't think it was the same. Yeah, it was not that's same what day. I thought. So three months go by, and the judge rules, and and there has to be some fishiness here. The judge rules that uh, yeah, the judge rules that Ralph Myers uh, was lying. Not the first time when he actually was lying, but was actually lying on um, three months prior on um, the retrial. Yeah, because of Michael B. Jordan pressuring him, pressuring yeah, him. Yeah, feeling like he had been Brian coerced, coerced yeah. which is ridiculous considering the fact that you know literally that's what was really happening the first right. time around. So. Man, it felt it just felt yeah. so wicked, and it felt and like again, a gut punch. It ho- really did. Hopeless. Like, yeah, gut punch, and then like this. The thought of this is actually going on in America type of deal. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, this is this has happened before. Mm-hmm. And may I just say, may I just say, if you watch the film and you see all the updates about all the different characters, or several of the different characters in the film, can I just point out that the sheriff, I hope everyone saw this, that the sheriff, who the wicked sheriff who allowed all this to happen, just retired last year in 2019. Like, yeah. he stayed on mm-hmm. for 30 more years, reelected every year by those people in that community, yeah. despite being a wicked man. Yes. Yeah. Dis- despite being a wicked man. Yeah, and there's a there's another scene that where the DA is just sitting in the office with the sheriff, and Michael B. Jordan's character walks in on him. But uh, the, the casualness or the buddiness, you tell, like, you can tell, you can tell. Like, that— He's in it. Yeah, He's credit in the po- yep. credit to them. Those two actors. Yeah, you they, could just tell that they they're they're conniving, man. Yeah. They're they're good old boys. Yeah, <laughs> they are uh, yes, good old boys. The good old boys club. So so we kind of need to breeze through the rest of this review, but um, yeah. So essentially, uh, they took it to the next level to the state supreme court, where finally they did um, reverse the lower circuit court's ruling. Yes, uh, for not having a retrial, um, and then. Uh, Brian Stevenson wanted to make a push for all charges to be dropped. And, you know, long story short, they had to change the image of the public eye. So yeah. they did the 60 minute. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, they did the 60 oh, minute. Yeah. I, I really want to go find that. That footage, yeah, the actual that, clip. that would be a good oh, watch. That would be really cool to see. Yeah, yeah we need to I, watch that. But yeah, that definitely like sparked something in the DA's mind. And yeah. uh, so then they make the, notion, the, the motion to drop all charges. And I do feel like the scene where the DA is watching the 60-minute article at home. With his family. And his family and his yeah. wife. His wife, just his looks, wife yeah. gives oh, him the look daggers, of death, man. Yeah. Daggers. The look of death. Yeah, like how could you actually be a part of this? Like that's yeah, the, the look you got from that. Which So I, I helped. I feel like that helped him come to the realization like, okay, I'm going to need to dig myself out of this. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, jump on this train with Michael B. Jordan here. Eventually he does. Yeah. But even the way he does it. Couldn't you tell, like, so when he basically in court um, agrees to join with the charges of having all charges dropped, the way he does it was so, I mean, I'm glad he did it, Mm -hmm. but you could just tell he's he's soft. Yeah. You know? He saw what side was going to come out on top, and he folded like a chair. Yes. Yes. He was very much, and they kind of like foreshadowed throughout the throughout the movie that he was going to kind of fall in line with whatever the popular opinion was. Yeah. And right. that and um Which in yeah. this case gets Johnny D off that's yes. right charges. Off the charges. And, and what a what a cool scene too when he was leaving. He he went back to his cell to get some of his items and he was leaving and he was like saying goodbye to his his cellmates. Yeah. 
how powerful was that when they were yeah. i mean that was just amazing yeah speaking of cellmates uh earlier in the movie herbert i want to yeah. talk about herbert let's talk about her uh, f- uh, yes military veteran yep uh he definitely you can tell he suffered from some sort of mental of uh, yeah ptsd i would say that um of from being and serving in the united states military um yes. and right. so obviously he, he he was sick he was a sick human being yep. um not, I mean, he he carried out a murder that I don't know. I feel like stemmed from his experience in the military. He he said he had these nightmares, these dreams, and all that kind of stuff, and he was convicted on it. When in all actuality, I don't know if he should have been convicted on death row. He should have definitely been in a hospital, right? Um, seeking the yes. help that he needed uh, mentally. Right. And yet, yes. this death row inmate is he's carried out, and he is unfortunately executed, um, even though he was mentally ill. So yeah. uh, I thought that was a very powerful performance by the, the this character in the movie. And yeah. um, I, it, it looked like it really fueled Brian Stevenson. Yeah. yeah. He said it was the most terrifying experience of his life, I believe, is what yes. uh, Stevenson says to Johnny D later. Or no, excuse me. He said it to Ralph Myers. Um, and Ralph is familiar with that because of his time on death row. Yeah. Yes. Um, not while he never saw anyone die, he could, that's just horrifying to think about. It. He could smell mm-hmm. the flesh burning. Yeah. All right. Just, yeah. yes. But here's the reality. These things are hard to talk about. And, and let, let me finish this thought. These movies like this are hard to watch, but that's because these things are reality. These yes. th- in, in our country, in the history of our country, this was only, uh, 40 years ago now, 30 years ago, 33 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, in the history of our country, I mean, it's, it's much, much worse than that. And the reality is even today, there are still, uh, issues similar. You might not, you might say not as bad, but man, there are still issues in our country, in our political, in our, uh, justice system, uh, that make things very muddy, make things very difficult. Yeah. Um, so it's a hard film to watch. But this, it, the movie's intended purpose was to start a conversation. That's right. Which I feel as though this would be a good time to. Yeah, this is so. This is what we're going to do. So we've reviewed the film. I mean, uh, a great movie. Great movie. Really is yes, a good movie. Definitely a plus. Watch. It's it's very much. I mean, if nothing else, just to see Michael B. Jordan's performance of Brian Stevenson, Jamie Foxx is is, is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, but want to give you guys just a little bit of a disclaimer. So we are the Royal Geek Podcast, and of course. We are here to review movies and TV shows, everything else in between. Uh, we love talking about good good films and good TV productions. Uh, but this movie in particular, Just Mercy, does such a good job of bringing awareness um, to our minds. And it was allowed to be um, rented for free for this entire month because they want to make people aware of what racial, systematic injustice looks like okay and the reality is that things like this happen still to this day in this country and in the country that we live in currently america and also the three of us the hosts of the royal geek podcast we live here in the south in georgia okay yes and the reason i want to give a little bit of this disclaimer is while we love to talk about entertainment and movies and tv shows this movie does such a good job of, of forcing people to think and to reconcile in their own mind what is actually happening uh, within our own country, okay? And we're going to, you know, for the next little bit, we're actually going to talk about um, just some of our takeaways and some of some of 
our opinions on things that are happening in this country today. So the reason we want to give this disclaimer is because we just want people to know that, um, yeah, we have, we're humans. This is our podcast. We have thoughts on things. Some of the things you're about to hear you might not agree with. If you don't, that's okay. You don't have to hate us. We certainly don't want to hate you or anyone else. In fact, if there's things you disagree with that we say and you'd like to talk about them, we would love for you to engage with us. Hit us up on Twitter at the Royal Geek Pod, um, or just message us some other way. We, hey, you can hit us. Send us an email at the Royal Geek Podcast at, at gmail dot com. Yeah, yeah there that's you go. right. So we would love to hear from you. Uh, but these are our own opinions, the three of us, and I think it's important to say. Uh, two of us here, myself and, and Anthony, are white Americans, and then Justin is a Mexican-American. Uh, I think that's important for you to know based off of the things that you might hear for the rest of this review. Uh, really, it's not re- we're not reviewing the film anymore, but we are um, using the film as a launching point to the rest of our discussion here on the podcast. So with that in mind, um, yeah, what did this film do? What did Just Mercy do? Uh, in regards to you guys, into your understanding and awareness of similar issues in the United States, um, specifically with uh, systemic injustice. Um, yes, um, it brought up a, a lot of things that I have been um, thinking about and bringing uh, bringing to light, and just things that have been on my mind, and 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 has been going along, and just how. Justice is not always dealt out in an equal manner, and the the it's not just a an opinion in a lot of ways. There are a lot of facts that I feel back up that idea, and one of the ones that I wanted to bring up is just the the disparity when you think about the percentages of our general population in the United States as compared to the prison population in the United States. Um, so. There are roughly 60% uh, white people in the United States, and there are roughly 13% of the um, population, right? Of, of our total population okay. that are, are African American. Um, and yet, 37% of the um, prison population is African American. And I, I find that it is a logical impossibility that a population that is 150 million less then another population would have more of the prison population than the other. And for me, it kind of comes down to these two ideas. Um, you get, you either have to think that there is inherently something wrong with that, um, with that minority class, um, which I believe is just empirically incorrect, um, or you have to think about the idea of there is something systemically wrong with the with our justice system and the way that minorities are treated in our society and that is kind of the point largely that i feel like that this was trying to get at and this is a point that i strongly believe is that there is something that is broken in our criminal justice system specifically through this movie that needs to be corrected yeah and there was there was a line in the movie said by um the ray the cellmate of uh johnny d that they said that the jury knew that he was guilty by just looking at his mugshot. Man, and yes. uh, man, the it, the fact that that is still a thing here today, yes. yeah, um, as we speak uh, on this podcast, that uh, a group of people yes. can make an assumption about a human being be just based yes. visually on the way he looks. Uh, 
that's just that just I mean it blows my mind um, because the, the thing that this movie really did uh, for me is it the this this life that we're living okay the we tend to get a little complacent and comfortable where we are and uh, even though you are living this life and you're like oh yeah everything's like everything's going good for you well this movie is like a a, a shock back to reality saying that you know what uh, you. <laughs> You need to look at the, the the broader picture here, and there is this social injustice going on, and pay attention to that. Listen to what's going on around you, and not just focus on how your life is going, but take a yes. take a moment and look at the the equality that's going on in the world around you, or the inequality and yeah. the injustice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I think it's important to say too this this movie came out I believe in 2019. Yeah, December. December. Yes. Okay. So we're talking seven months ago. Okay. Um, man. Yeah. I guess what a precursor to the year of 2020, right? Yes. With just all the terrible things that have happened across the globe in this year, which you know we could spend a lot of time talking about all that, but let's just focus on one thing uh, just for a moment. Um, I don't think it's fair to talk about really our thoughts on a film like this without without really talking about the context in which we watched it. I mean, the reality is the reason that it was released for free was because of the just remarkable amounts of protests and movements that have been happening across the globe, um, really yes. combating uh, racism and also police brutality. Yes. Uh, which I think both of those things are very much, um, man, very much on display in this film. I mean, let's just for a moment, okay? You might not call it police brutality, but I might call it police, police Im- immorality, mm-hmm. maybe, um, yeah. especially in Just Mercy. Uh, I, I just want to point out one thing, okay? Now, Justin, as a minority in this country, you might have felt this way at some point. Myself, and I'm assuming, I'm going to make an assumption here about you, Anthony, and then you tell me if I'm wrong here in a moment. You've never necessarily felt this way. There was a scene in the movie that really struck me yeah. that I think does a remarkable job of displaying what it is like to be black in America, um, and potentially my, just simply a minority in America. Justin, you could tell me if I'm wrong. But the scene I'm referring to is when Brian Stevenson is driving home one night, yeah. and he is pulled over at night. And he pulls over, and the first thing he does, he, you know, he puts his hands on the wheel so the officer can see his hands. And as the officer is walking to his car, you can see that the officer has his hand on his gun. Yes. Okay. Now, in fairness, I do know that the the most dangerous time for an officer is always when they pull someone over. They have no idea what to expect. I understand that. However, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have your hand on your gun. And when you see... Uh, when the officer saw Brian Stevenson's hands on his steering wheel, not holding any weapon, there's no reason for him to have his hand on his gun. So he then says, get out of the car. And Brian Stevenson says, you know, something, I don't remember word for word the the, uh, the conversation, but he says, what, what did I do? And he says, get out of the car. And he says, officer, why are you pulling me over? Why did you pull me over? Like, what is your cause, right? What, what, do you have just cause yeah. for pulling me over? Well, of course he doesn't. And I'm getting somewhere with this. Let me finish my thought. Um, then he, the officer freaks out, and he pulls, he aims, he pulls his gun, and he aims it right at Brian Stevenson, and he says, get out of the car, get out of the car. And you could see he's like, okay, okay, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, why are you pointing this gun at me? 
Yeah. And then he does everything, literally everything he's supposed to. Yes. He says, I'm unbuckling my seatbelt. I'm opening my door. He's showing his hands the whole time so he can show that he's not a threat. Yes. Yet he gets out of the car and is thrown against the car with the gun pointed to the back of his head while the other officer looks through his car for something. Okay. Yes. So the point I'm getting to now, if if that has happened to either of you, I'm sorry. It's never happened to me. Shimato, what I mentioned earlier, as white men in America, uh, has that ever happened to you? Real, just um, yes or no? Yeah. Um, I would like to say a little bit about, like— a little bit on my experience. I've I've never had this happen to me as a as a person. Um, to tell you the truth, I've been pulled over a couple of times, but to tell you the truth, I've never I, I, I I've never even thought about putting my hands on the steering wheel cause, because that is not a thought that even remotely runs through my head. Um, I believe that part of my white privilege is that I am not afraid of the police, but That's I am right. financially afraid of the I. I, I I have the luxury of being financially afraid of the police and not afraid of them for the fear of my life. Sure, that's um, right. Because yeah. when I get pulled over, the first thing I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get a ticket. I get it. Um, it's going to be 180 th- bucks. Yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. I, I'm not thinking I might lose my life over this. Right. Um, so I, 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 it is hard because, uh, and I, underst- I understand that I have, n- th- th- that is nowhere in the, realm of possibility for me when i'm being pulled over like the idea of putting my hands on the steering wheel like he does in that scene or uh, things like that it's it's never it it never never crosses my mind never come to your mind right and the reason is because you've probably never had a gun pointed at your head by a police officer nope okay you've probably never been pulled over just because of the color of your skin uh no okay neither have i so the point i'm trying to make and this is real okay what I, what I've had a lot of friends in my own like in my life tell me, hey, you know, if one of the shouts of the cries of like the Black Lives Matter movement and just you know equality movements in general um, is that there people like to argue that there is systemic racism in this country, and then I've had a lot of friends tell me, well, if that's the case, you need to show me facts. I need to see that. I need to see statistics of that. To which, of course, I'm not I'm not good with numbers. I can't show you that. But I can refer to the experiences, not myself, but secondhand that I have heard from many of my black friends. Of yes. times where they were literally pulled over with no reason. Like, the cop couldn't give them a reason for why they were pulled over. They just might come up to the car and say, do you live here? Or what are you doing yeah. here? Or do you have a weapon on you? Or... Get out of the car, just like what happened in Brian Stevenson. So, yeah. J- Justin, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I mean, that's just a small example of what we're talking about when we talk about systemic injustice and racism uh, that many black people in America, and I can only speak on this because of what I've heard. Again, I'm a white man, but from my friends that have told me, many black people in America are feeling um, that the ca- the cards are stacked against them, just yeah. what Johnny D said in the film. So, so Justin, question for you guys: Have you guys ever had a spe- speeding ticket? Yes, I think I've gotten yes. two, at least okay. one. So that experience, they pulled you over. How fast were you going? Uh, you got a ticket. and You were uh, sent on your way, right? Yes. yes. Okay. So uh, I was driving down to for spring break. Okay. Uh, driving through Podunk, uh, like Florida, like the the country yeah. part of it, trying to get to the beaches. All right. There you go. Yes, I was speeding, so I had just cause to be pulled over, right? Right. Um, but when I, when I was pulled over, uh, I was told to uh, get out 
I was cuffed, and I was put in the back of the car while he ran my information. No For way. a speeding ticket. Uh, yeah. So really? it, it wasn't just a, hey, how fast were you going type of deal. It was a get out of the car and cuffed in the back of the cop car, door closed, waiting for him to run the information. And then after he saw everything and heard my story, uh, yeah. and then finally, uh, after about 45 minutes to an hour, uh, he let me out of the car and sent me on my way. So that's not the the typical uh, speeding ticket scenario. Yes. No. Um, I wonder what Now, the- granted, yes, I sat... I, I mean, I, I, I don't have an accent. Uh, I am a Mexican-American, um, but I do have features that uh, a dark skin. Complexion. Yeah, dark yeah. skin, mm-hmm. uh, black hair, and something that may not be considered normal in the, I guess, the podunk part of Florida. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so. No, you keep going. Yeah, I so, I mean, I'm telling you, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a little portion of what uh, – Friends are talking about they're they're talking about their experiences as as, as Black Americans as African Americans, yep. and uh, I mean I can relate partially to that. Um, I yeah. can I can never say that I have I've seen the extremes, but I've I've seen portions of it. Um, I'm, I'm I'm biracial, so I come from two families: uh, a, a white Caucasian uh, mo- mother and a, a born in Mexico uh, father. And right. Uh, growing up in Southern California, uh, I was never uh, allowed to be a part of either either or uh, the Mexican group didn't really accept me because I wasn't a quote unquote pure blood. Yeah. I've been called that multiple. I'm impure. I'm impure. Half breed. Half breed. Like half that breed. Wow. Yeah, that I'm was so sorry. Yeah, that was for the yeah. like the first thirteen years of my life. Um, but uh, and then if you try to hang out with the white people, they look at you like, hey, like. What's going on here? Like you, you don't, you don't look like you, here? Yeah, you don't look like us type of deal. Yeah, but uh, right. so I kind of found a, a zone in the middle with like the rest of the misfits. But um, I, like I said, I can never f- truly feel what the the, our, the black American population is going through right now. But I can relate, and I am willing to listen to what's going on. I'm willing to have the conversation, and I am 100 percent in your corner. Like I'm, 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 I'm supportive there, and. It's just it blows my mind that this is still a thing right now. Yeah. Well, before we get into that of why this is still a thing and why we still in 2020 have to deal with this, uh, man, I'm sorry. I just like yeah. hearing that story. I mean, I had no idea that you were literally put in the back of a cop car. Yeah, I mean, me y- y- yes, you did. You break the law. Sure. Did they, did the officer have just cause to pull you over? Yes, he did. But I mean. I've been pulled over for speeding at least twice. Anthony, maybe how many times for yourself? Um, yeah, I think it's twice for me as well. Okay. And, and once, and we once have for never, having lights, a light out. We've never been asked to, one, get out of the car. No. Or, two, been put in the back of the car, the, the cop car with handcuffs yeah. on our hands. Yeah. And and I, I I've wonder never what even the, felt like I've been asked a question that was yeah. uh, improper by the police. Okay. Even, like, the whole, like, idea of, well, do you live here or where, that kind of stuff. Uh, I feel like they even, you know... Uh, it's always been, um, you know, I pulled you over for so-and-so, well, yeah. whatever it was in that scenario, um, was one of the, like, either the first or second thing that came out of their mouth to the point to where they were informing me of why I was being pulled over. Right. And it seems like in so many cases, um, uh, from stories that I've heard from friends and situations that I've heard where, you know, ridiculous things happen where someone gets arrested or, um, you know, gets cuffed and things like that, um, thrown against a, a car for, um, 
for littering. I, I, I have, I have a friend who worked in the works in the deli at um, at a at a um, store at a grocery store, and you know he's telling me a story about how that literally happened to him. He got thrown up against a car, got arrested because he he littered, and it was very obviously a racially charged situation. He didn't bring that up, but it was very obvious that that's what he was that he was you know sure. referring to. So 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 just to get back real quick to what I was saying though, the two of us. Yes. Both white men. Yes. N- never been put in the back of a cop car for speeding. No. The in only fact, time I've ever been in a cop car was when my uncle let me ride in the back. <laughs> okay, wow. there you go. And wow. I And I guess, you know, Justin, the story you just gave, yes, you were speeding. Sure, you did break the law. But for no reason should a cop put you in the back seat handcuffed for speeding. So I wonder, what do you guys think is the key de- denominator here of why Myself and Anthony have never had that kind of experience, but our friend Justin here has. Any guesses? Just one wild one, but yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Uh, the way you look. There you go. I'm trying to be petty tonight because yes. this, is, this is the point. I'm, this yeah. is the whole, you know, Anthony, you actually mentioned this phrase, and I'm going to use it, and it's going to frustrate someone that might be listening. And if it does, I'd love to talk to you because there's a reason people use this phrase that is, White privilege, okay? Now, everybody has a different definition for words like white privilege and words like racism. So you're always, there's nuances all the time. But the reality is what white privilege at its basic core means is you did such a good job explaining it. Every time I've been pulled over, yes, of course I've been nervous. Mostly because I've been more aware of like what police brutality and police uh, mismanagement can look like. But... I've never truly been afraid for my life yes. when I've been pulled over. But I can't tell you the amount of times that I've had a black friend tell me that they were. Yeah. And I think that is a—I mean, there's there's many more layers to what white privilege means and how it, you know, interacts with our society. Right. But that's just one small example, you yeah. know? I mean— And, and, that, and that's—again, we just spent, what, 10, 15 minutes on this? And that was just from one minor— scene in the movie yeah. right yes yeah that's just that's just one scene and that's a guy that's a guy brian stevenson in that scenario doing nothing wrong he's just driving no. home no man that, yeah that's the kind of stuff that really frustrates me honestly it gets me yeah. going so i'm gonna let one of you guys speak for a little bit all right um i mean uh i would like to tell a little story that kind of like illustrates with kind of the point that you were getting let's at hear it. let's do in, it in my opinion um so uh, I was in college, and me and a friend were um, were playing in the snow. It had been a snow day, and um, we had um, we were drawing something on a friend's car because we were just you know immature idiots. Sure. Um, my my friend is half black and half white, um, so we were we, we were just having some fun and. His police car drove by, and just to kind of illustrate the the way that that um, me as a white person interact with the police, and my friend um, interacted with interacts with the police as a person who is half black and half white. I was uh, my my friend froze, and he was immediately terrified. He was he was scared. He didn't. He, he was he. It was a situation where he felt like, um, like he immediately was thinking about the trouble he could get in. Whereas me, 
in looking back on it, this is definitely another portion of white privilege. I waved at the cop, smiled, and <laughs> I, there was no like moment for me to. I, I would there, there was nowhere in my mind was I thinking something terrible could happen here other than maybe I might get a talking to real quick. Um, but it, it just, I think it really illustrates how we were in the exact same situation dealing with the same police officer at the same time. And we had, it, it, we might as well, might as well been on different planets when it came to our view on what was about to happen. Right. The, the feelings you had, the things you experienced in that moment. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're just so, just otherworldly different it it was just r- ridiculous thinking back on it and you know I, I at the time i wasn't really you know thinking about that but you know later on my, you know i had more conversations about that and with with my friend and he was and we, we just talked about it and the more i thought about it the more i thought about it i was just thinking about how how racially like the the divide is in a lot of ways between between the way we see the police and the way we see authority figures in general yeah for sure yeah um i mean i, I guess i could share one more story i mean if you guys are down for it let's hear it man all I right hear it. so tell us I what's mean, on your mind all right so in high school all right so this is me growing up uh, let me just like i didn't really ha- i didn't really make my first white friend until i moved to georgia okay and how was, old were you uh, 14, 15 years old. Okay. So okay. I always grew up with either, uh, minorities as friends. Okay. Sure. So, um, and in high school, me and my minority friends were, uh, you know, doing the typical youngster thing. Uh, the sun goes down. We decided to do ding dong ditch. Okay. Right? Kids yeah. being kids. Right. Um, well, um, one of the, one of the houses apparently, uh, I'm assuming, uh, called the cops. And so the cops came st- strolling around and, uh, we were, we were just walking the sidewalk at this yeah. time. Not really actually, uh, ringing doorbells at that time. Um, but, uh, stopped all of us and sat us all down on the sidewalk, cuffed every single one of us. Wow. Okay. Um, where I feel like yeah. this scenario, I mean, could have been, Hey, you guys get home, yeah. uh, stop doing what you're doing move on but instead had to uh sit us all down on the sidewalk cuff every single one of us it was probably about six of us and uh tell us uh, question us what we're doing uh, yeah. do you guys live here what's going on like the whole nine yards you guys have any weapons on you all that thing going on and uh after two hours man two hours uh finally they decided to let us go so yeah um, I don't know. I mean, yes, were we <laughs> being a nuisance in the community? Yeah, of course. Um, I feel like in another scenario, maybe when if you guys decided to go ding dong ditch, it probably would have been uh, yeah. you boys get on home now. So uh, I have a sort sure. of parallel story that once again kind of illustrates the differences. Uh, so me and some friends were walking out real late one night. It was probably like two or three in the morning, and we were all under the age of what you would consider like the curfew that point i don't remember exactly how we were we were all between like 16 and 13 and um so there were four of us and um we ended up walking around and we ended up getting a cop you know uh we were on like a major highway we were actually on um uh buford highway actually um so we were on a major highway that was you know we were walking down it you know the cop pulled us over he never once dropped the whole um uh do you have any weapons on you thing like you were saying we did not get cuffed it was about a 10 minute interaction 
that the only thing that happened was they were like, well, we just need to tell your parents that you were out like this, and um, one of your parents needs to come and get you. It was the longest part of it was actually us waiting for um, my friend's mom to come and get us <laughs> was was the longest experience that we had in that. So I just I know this is an impromptu story, but I felt like it was once again a a, a good parallel mm-hmm. to the universes that we are talking about. Yeah, and we're really just having a conversation of inequality here. Yes. Um, and, yeah. And, I mean, we're definitely going a little long here, but uh, let's start uh, wrapping it up here. Yeah, um, that'd be great. No, I think the reality is we knew that, uh, you know, we weren't going to cover everything tonight. Yeah. Uh, in fact, at the at the time that we finished our actual review of the Just Mercy film, uh, I knew, of course, we're not going to cover much uh, in terms of how we feel and how it really has opened our eyes mm-hmm. or helped to reignite things we've already believed or thought about our country and our world, um, depending on where all of us are. But the reality is this is such a long, it's a much longer discussion. It's very, 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 very nuanced. And I think that's what's so exhausting about it. Uh, everybody has their own uh, different opinion on every little thing. I mean, even the way I mentioned that, you know, you ask 10 people to define white privilege or you ask 10 people to, f- to define racism, you're probably going to get 10 different responses. Yeah. You know, so, of course, we can't cover everything. And the yeah. reality is, if you listen to this pod and you're like, man, I totally disagree with those guys and I hate everything that they said. We would we would ask you to let us know that. I mean, we could be wrong about things. Yeah. You know, help us understand Com- your conversation is important. Yeah, man, we would we would love to interact with you if you are listening to this and you have thoughts that maybe are contrary to ours or, um, yeah, that you know, if you want to let your voice be heard, we would love to hear from you. So, uh, this is meant to be. I, I really believe movies like this, uh, like Just Mercy, obviously the, based on a true story. And um, it's historical, but also it's it's meant to spark dialogue. It's meant to spark um, vision. It's meant to spark change, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you'll never have change if you don't at least start listening yeah. and having conversation with others. Yeah. I so, mean, we could sit here all night sharing stories, but yeah. the reality is, is that inequality exists. That's right. And we just need to figure out what we can all do to make this thing go away (laughs) for sure yeah i i just think it's really important especially as someone who um is is white uh it's important to remember that you have two ears and one mouth um this is a time to broaden your horizons uh I've, i've always been a huge fan of um traveling and I believe that the reason, one of the reasons for that is it helps you learn about the world, helps you learn about what other people have been through. Um, it, it is important. Um, listen to your friends. You know, they may tell you stories and they may be being told in a comical manner, but like it was a serious situation lots of times for people when they were in these situations. Um, listen and then it, it do the best that you can to act. You know, listen, and then when it comes time for you to be to stand next to people and for you to stand up for your beliefs, it's no longer enough to just talk, you know, or just, you know, not necessarily be uh, to be against racism. We need to be putting uh, our inaction into action. 
without a doubt, without a doubt. So couldn't agree more. Again, I have a lot of other things I'd love to say, but this pod would go really long. So yes. um, I think what we can't do is just, um, you know, we can't just worry about not being racist ourselves. We also have to fight racism. We can't. We have to be anti-racist. We have to be on the offense. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so I think you know we'll leave it with that, and we'll say once more that if you have any desire to engage with us over this, we'd love to hear from you. Follow us on Twitter at Royal Geek Pod. Send us an email at royalgeekpodcast at gmail dot com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we've really enjoyed, and also. If you haven't watched Just Mercy, which I guess if you got to this point of this pod, you probably have, but go check it out. Such a great movie. Yes. It really did a lot. Um, it's free for the rest of the month. Uh, that's right. Yeah, pending further. It might be extension. extended. Who yeah, knows? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but well, uh, make sure you guys are listening to our bonus pods. That's right. Aces of Shield. That's we're, right. We're going through it episode by episode. Yep. Yep. That's, which which does in some ways, you know, in a minor way, it's not the main point of the not the main plot of the show. But it does talk about some of these kind of issues. Yes, right? it has been so. very actually poignant for the for the for situation the, for that the times we're in. The truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all that being said, check out some of our other episodes. Last week we covered our top five sports video games of all time, and we've also been doing uh, reviews of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of Shield. So you can find that on our podcast feed uh, but that's all we have for this pod thank you so much for listening to us thank you so much for tuning in uh, we really are thankful for all of our listeners and uh, for my friends Justin and Anthony I will say that this is T-Roll saying good night and thank you so much for listening we will see you next time you peasants peasants